Hello everyone, Chris O'Reilly here and as you can probably tell from my voice, it's a little bit tired after a long weekend at the HF Final Four and a little bit of singing as well at the end of the evening uh, just a quick word before you listen to this pod it's actually a mixture of two shows we did during the hf final four weekend live in cologne we were doing the live shows from the outside of Lanxess arena as part of that 54 hour non-stop stream on twitch so first You'll hear chat from Saturday after the semi-finals. You'll also hear a little bit of chat about a great giveaway we did where we gave away two tickets to next year's EHF Final Four, which is really nice. That was happening live at the time, so you can ignore that. Those tickets are gone. And then on Sunday, uh, in part two, we were joined by Nedjad Smilagic before Brian also joined midway through when he was done with his duties in the arena. So now you know, let's get on with the show. Let's start with emotions. I think for a lot of people, today was a, an explosion of emotions to just be back in a full arena have fans going crazy everywhere and have two really exciting games. So, Chris, as your first ever EHF Final Four as um, a commentator. On the men's side. On the men's side. Yes. You'll never catch him out with that stuff. I'm a feminist, Alex. What, what, <laughs> what were your feelings going into it and when you saw the arena? Uh, the, seeing the arena is, is well, normal enough. I've been <laughs> coming here for 10 years. But, uh, yeah, you know... Taking, taking that spot on the second row among the commentators with uh, you know, Joachim Boltzen and uh, Victor Tomas and all the lads and ladies there, that was nice. And yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, uh, it was funny because Nagore, who is one of the mobile reporters working alongside Brian, uh, I was chatting to her for a second. She's like, oh, you're the only one I've met who's not running around like a headless chicken saying, oh my God, oh, the Final Four. And I think the, the good thing is, is that uh, well, we've done these teams so many times this season. <laughs> and we've talked about them over and over again. So in that sense, it was kind of just like, you know, a normal game. But then when like the Vesprem roar came at the beginning of that first game and it really got started and being so close to the action as well, because sitting in the second row there, you get really close to it and you get a different, you watch it in a different way than when you look at the screen. And so, yeah, then I really got into it, as you can tell from by my voice right now, <laughs> which uh, is not the, that this usually happens, I think, uh, in the first day of the final four for me, and then it comes back very quickly. Uh, it didn't break though, which I'm happy about. Yeah. Unlike, I, I unlike the happens. women's final four last year. <laughs> I love it. <that. laughs> uh, that didn't happen. And uh, you, you mentioned headless chickens, right? Uh, yeah. So Brian, how was your day? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was a full-on chicken with no head. Um, 
I know it was the hottest Final Four in living memory, um, inside and outside. So And in the action. And in the action, I'd say, as well, yeah. Uh, so it was just hot all around everywhere. And uh, there, was just, there was a lot, a lot of stuff going on today. Outside, there was millions of activations and various uh, champions from the Champions Club running around the place doing various things. So it was really full of action everywhere across the board. And, yeah, I think the first thing that I really, that I noticed was the, the Kielsa fans outside. They were just absolutely going crazy. And the Vesprem fans were very, quite, were quite calm. And then I was quite surprised then when we got into the arena, there was none of that. It was just, it was pretty much 50-50 in terms of how loud they were. Yeah, right. yeah. And what, what, what are your actual emotions there? You talked about, you talked about <laughs> you're very HF marketing there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Activations. <laughs> what, what is an activation? <laughs> now, I think whoever sits in this seat kind of speaks strangely every day. Maybe the two one or two over, whatever you're saying to me, but I'm now I'm talking about activations. Um, no, but I loved it. I, I, it was the, f the first event I've been to in a really long time where I was like, this is... Now we're truly are back yeah. and back in business. A really packed out arena, and you could feel that people were were riling to go. And I, I, we'll talk about the handball later, but I think that also had a real tangible effect on the way the matches were played. Like it, away from all the tactical things, who played what, but like the intensity of the games and the way the games are played, the pace the games are played. I think like that was due in part to these players playing in front of 20,000 people for the first time, some of them ever, but for many of them the first time in like three or four years. And that really just like got everyone, uh, well, running around like headless chickens at mm. times. My emotions were of pure awe because the last time I got an opportunity to see some top level live handball, I uh, got COVID and spend a week in a room in Budapest. So this time around, I was able to go into the arena and experience, as you said, the roar from the Hungarian fans, the singing from the Kielsa fans, mm. and the rhythmic clapping of Tehave, Tehave. Ah, now let's, let's give those Kiel fans more credit. They did an awful lot of whistling and booing as well today. They did. We'll talk about more. Yes, sir. <laughs> So, should we get into the games then? Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk a bit of handball. Let's do it. It's, uh, no, no, hey, who's that? St uh, Stevitz Berlin says, guys, stop joining the giveaway. No. No, no, no. Do the opposite. Keep joining yeah, the giveaway. You, you, you keep joining. And Stevitz Berlin, you're, you're close to disqualifying yourself here. Yes. Um, and then he says nice pictures. Uh, he's oh, a bit of ass, ass kissing there, but that's but good do, as well. I do see that's that really good. Uh, Steve G. Berlin, which I presume is the same person, did follow us on Instagram. Nice. So I'm checking. I'm checking. So Zebra with a plan, or with no plan, uh, is also entered and is uh, excited to win this. It's, uh, it's a big prize. It's a anyway, huge prize. Handball. I'm just going to put it on our... No, that doesn't make any sense. I was yeah. going to put on our own but social media. Uh, <laughs> they already follow us. Let's, let's talk handball. Yes, um, let's talk handball. And let's talk about probably the most anticipated game this weekend, which was uh, Kielsa versus Veszprem. There was this talk of the 2016 final. Mm. I watched it with Jürgen Galde. That was really today. good, by the way. Well done. Um, it was uh, incredible to see his emotions and his approach to that game as well. But uh, there was talk of revenge. There was the two big fan bases. And we got a game that started out lightning fast. Mm. 
were you able to keep up with it, Chris? I, <laughs> well, I, it was really, yeah, it took 10 minutes, I think, until, and then all of a sudden, I think it was nine and a half minutes of the game, and then everyone just kind of took a collective breath. One of the teams finally just stopped attacking at 100%, and they're like, and I said it in the commentary, was like, ah, all right, yeah, 10 minutes played, <laughs> we can all breathe now, uh, because it was, it was electric, and both really just were going at it like full hog like it was non-stop both teams doing very well as well like what a start from Yahia Omar he was brilliant Kantan Mahe was brilliant on the Vesprem side I was really like uh, I was really feeling good about Vesprem like throughout the whole first half but particularly at the beginning like I think they needed to prove to themselves that they were up for this and uh, you know, a couple of big saves from Corrales as well. Besides that, there were no Co saves. A couple of big saves. Yeah. Corrales had ten saves in the first half. I'm it talking the first ten minutes. First still. ten minutes. Here. <laughs> still, still in the first yeah. ten minutes. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah, both both teams really going at it like as you said, lightning fast start. And but you you knew that both both teams probably couldn't keep at that pace, but they uh, it was going to take something special to, to stop them. Yeah, because a common opinion when I was talking to some journalists during the game, then they were saying it seems to, it seems to them that a few of the key Vesprim players completely burnt themselves out in the first half. And then by the second half, it seemed that Kielsa had the better option to start coming off the bench. Did you feel that as well? Yeah, so w this is something that uh, Christian Schwarzer, who joined uh, us between the two games, actually mentioned. He said that it was Talent Dushabaya's tactics that won the game. And in terms of tactics, it was using his full squad and so well. basically having 15 minute slots mm -hmm. for uh, different players. We saw like Hawker Thrasterson come in and score. He scored an unbelievable underarm shot yeah. just out of nowhere when they needed him. But what was huge for Kielce is that when they were, they threw these players on, Thrasterson, Kulesh had a fantastic game today yeah. out of nowhere. Um, Danny uh, Dushabayev played Danny as a Dushibayev. playmaker. It was really, really good. It, and, and they all, even if they had five or ten minutes, mm. they just performed. And when they did that, they also gave rest to the big stars in the team. And uh, that was the difference. Meshbram mm. burnt out while Kielsa were looking fresh. But the bit, well, I mean, the 34 minutes as well, the red card to Blas, I think also was a bit of a turning point. I yeah. mean, it was, it was the defense in the first half for Vesprem that looked absolutely yeah. incredible. And then Blas, I think he holds the record now for the most red cards at Final Fours. He thinks this is his third one, and he's the only person to ever do that before. So it was he's such the an unnecessary. Was the yeah. It was such an unnecessary thing to do. All it was was a little tug at the back of the jersey, while it was Branko Vujovic, right? Yeah. It was in yeah. the air. And it's just like you could see it in his face. The camera cuts him a few times, and it's just like you donkey. Third Why? Why? That, that's why? That's why he never gets nominated to our uh, Housery Award. Mm. Well, because <laughs> he never gets away with it. <laughs> he never gets away with it because no. he's just brutal. He's too honest. <laughs> he's too honest <laughs> and too clumsy. And he keeps doing oh. it. And it was a huge, huge turning point in the game. And it wasn't just um, the fact that they lost him, who's their starting line player. It just completely destroyed their attack and defensive switches. So basically, it meant that uh, they couldn't have, at any stage, a line player that played attack and defense. Mm -hmm. There was a moment where Adrian Shipos actually went into attack, and yeah. 
uh, Yahi Omar broke through, gave him a little ball down, and Shipos just moved to the wrong side. Yeah. And it made Omar really angry. He was like, oh, get this guy off. It didn't, <laughs> he didn't say that. Yeah, he was yeah. a bit too nice to say that. But his emotions said, get him off. It was only Andy Nielsen in attack. But of course, Andy Nielsen doesn't defend. So then it meant that they were doing a defensive substitution for the line player straight away. So when they had Blaj in, you could basically, he could run up the court, they could play the first and second wave and then make the substitution yeah. if needed. Now they're making two substitutions every time. And Kielsa caught them on the fast break a couple of times. But it also meant that uh, Kenton Maie couldn't play. He was the sacrifice within that swap yeah. because Makeda had to come in on defense to play center back. But Omar was having such a good game, so he had to play. And Ligidvari had to come in at times. And Ligidvari well. had yeah. to come in as a defender. Yeah. So they had to bring in two center block defenders every time. And it, it just it, it didn't quite work. And basically, Kanta Maya was the sacrifice there. He couldn't come off in defense. Mm. Um, and, and he, he was so he was good so in good. the first half. He was so good. There were so many times in that first half where he, particularly down the left-hand side, you know, Lauga played him the ball and he was like, I'm not messing around here. I'm going to attack and I'm going to create a sp uh, space for uh, Sterlich on the left-hand side to score. And he did it over and over again. And that whole like transition attack disappeared then in the second half, which was, was a key thing. Yeah. I want to hear your hot takes now, because you promised us hot takes a bit hot earlier takes. on about Peter Nanadic. Ask me about Peter Nanadic. Okay, uh, one second. Uh, okay, we'll move on next to uh, Peter Nanadic. Alex, uh, what did you think of Peter Nanadic's... No, can't speak. Peter Nanadic's game. He was an absolute disgrace. <laughs> that, that is, that, that's how far I, I want to go oh. with this. And it's... it's <laughs> go on, go on. Please. Maybe, maybe too much, but it's not because of his um, game today mm. it was because of his attitude right that's that's why I think he's a disgrace not because of the way he played he every time he came into the court so he didn't start no. which is really interesting because you know we top scorer yeah he's, he's their top scorer he's mm. been their big player so he didn't start for the first 15 minutes and I think that affected him someone like Nanadic I think takes that personally no matter what sweet talking Illich is going to do with him and how much he trusts him, someone like Nadalic, who is who knows that he's their best player in his mind, I think he takes that personally. But the difference is, he didn't come in and say, "I belong here. I need to prove that I'm going to win this game for Veteran." He came in and said, "Oh, I am. I'm too good for. This. I'm too good to come on as a sub." I'm saunter up and take a shot the first shot he took was he received it completely standing at 10 meters mm. took two steps and just did a standing shot that got blocked straight away and that attitude continued throughout the game and I thought that was um, kind of a downfall for Betram today as well so that's my hot take. However, how hot is that? Uh, it's pretty hot. It's pretty, pretty <laughs> However, to balance out the journalism here, we're going to have Chris. Uh, <laughs> say what Peter I think you're a disgrace. No. Uh, but, and I, I see on your notes, like you've, you've highlighted a key moment, which we're going to jump forward to, I guess. The 33-30, they were down. 
Nanadic gave the ball away, but in order for that to happen, he put in one hell of a piece of defensive work to turn the ball over. Now, Peter Nanadic, who is not up for it, doesn't put effort in the defense. <laughs> like, that was a real, like, that was quite literally, and I said it, we've said it over and over again, but I said it in the broadcast as well, like you can, uh, at the top of the show, you get the very best of him and the very worst of him in a split second. And that is, that, that, that was quite literally it, where he managed that turnover in a great bit of defending, and then he literally threw the ball away. But there's a great replay of where he's throwing the ball. He, I think he got stuck in between, should I pass it to one of the guys on the break, because there was two of them there, or should I take the shot into an empty net? He was stuck in between the two, and as soon as the ball was released, his mouth just went, there's <laughs> a great camera angle of that uh, and that just really signifies the, the player he has he didn't have the worst game in the world but that's not what you're talking about yeah it, it, but yeah. it was also his reaction so within that moment again his reaction after dropping the ball was to complain mm. I don't know what he was complaining about but he, he stopped and threw a strop and there was a couple of times throughout the day where uh, basically that, that's what happened. When he missed the shot, he threw a bit of a strop. I think we have a comment that Chris really likes. If I, if I bring Chris Beer on the commentary bench, can we make the tickets VIP? Uh, yes, we can. <laughs> I mean, if, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who makes that decision, I guess. Uh, if it happens we, we on Twitch, on it. if it happens on, on Twitch, then it happens, right? Yeah. We, we can ask about it at least if yeah. you bring him a beer. Is this is this uh, anonymous person uh, or is this somebody we know who's making this comment? Someone we know. I know it's someone we know, but are we allowed to say that, Produ producer Clements? I think Clements. The problem is that like Clements hasn't been mentioned enough this week. Is that what's happening? Like I haven't been enough part of this enough and mentioned Clements enough over the last few days. Clements was actually recognised for being Clements from the live show in Budapest, so we need that to happen again this weekend. Does that make you feel better? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> you know who was not a disgrace today? Rasmus Lauga. Rasmus What did Lauga. I say yesterday? What did, what did you say yesterday? He was my prediction for MVP <laughs> for okay. the whole weekend. Okay. Not going to happen now though. Not going to happen, but that performance was like one step towards being an MVP and he is the person I feel most set for in this case because he didn't deserve that game. The crucial goal is to keep Vestrem in the game throughout. And especially, uh, I have to give credit to his defensive performance mm -hmm. and those first 15 minutes. Uh, where he shut Alex Dushabayev down. He really just completely shut him down one-on-one. -on -one. Alex couldn't get a shot away. He was still making a couple of assists, but uh, they changed from that, though, um, to bring Petr Nanadic in. Mm -hmm. Actually, that, that was the reason. 15 minutes, they brought in Nanadic, which mean, meant they switched the defensive rotation, and uh, Alex Dushabayev got into the game. Yeah broader picture here now a little bit um, I think it's fair to say Vesprem coming into this were not favourites at all by any means by any, in anyone's book really to, to lift the trophy 
but they've been here now how many times, Alex? Uh, seven. 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 Seven, yes, I thought seven as well. But is it turning into a little bit of a Final Four curse oh, at this stage, uh, or where did they go from here? I think they, that, that, that curse was already there. I don't think this year makes it any worse for them. I think they, they did everything they could today in terms of the, like, you know, they were fair, fair and square. They were the second best team. Mm -hmm. And also the surprising thing there is the goalkeepers. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't get the job done, uh, which happened in both semifinals, actually. The losing goalkeepers just didn't, didn't show up well, I, enough. Again, Correct. Like, correct. They were, when you're when you're on twenty percent, like when you're on zero percent in the second half, yeah, that's exactly. what happens. But and it's we, I just wanted like we talked a lot about how Veshram have the best duo. Mm. You know, they don't have one goalkeeper; yeah. they have two. That's and, their big strength. And we learned how to pronounce his name correctly yesterday, Supara. thanks to our Supara. Supara. Came in. The fans were chanting Supara. Everyone was behind him, and then he didn't make a save. Yeah. He didn't make a save. I don't think he... Did he make a single no. save? Let me no, 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 no. I don't think so, no. Not a single save. So, really, you know, Corrales had that amazing first half. Veshram were in the lead, but they were only in the lead by one goal at halftime. And Two. Yeah. But it disappeared straight away. It disappeared straight away. I think within the first minute, basically, yeah. Kielsa were level. Which I think was brilliant as well, because the, a tactical thing there, because they had the one-man advantage, Kielsa, and uh, they <laughs> uh, stop it stop all this nonsense commenting uh, and not everyone else just Clements Jordanek over there uh, do your real job <laughs> a really nice uh, tactical ploy by Talentu Shabayev which I think was very very much on purpose so at the start of the second half they were a man up right they played with the starting team from the first half they got their two goals quickly, drew level, their one-man advantage was gone, and then they completely changed the, the team. So after two minutes of the second half, the whole team was changed in the backcourt, which you don't do unless that's exactly what your plan is. And it's not like, oh, we, you know, you're not showing your hand to the opposition and saying, yeah, prepare yourselves to, to face these three new guys. It's like, yeah, we're going back to the old team, and then they're all gone a minute later, which was really, really nice. But to answer your question, which is about whether there's this curse now, Brian. Mm. I think, I don't think, I don't think they really expected themselves more than any other year to win. That's what we've talked about a lot. Mm. You know, they came into this with less pressure than usual. They didn't manage to win it. It's incredibly disappointing for them, but I don't think this adds to the, oh, they're destined to never win it. Mm. In fact, I think this could be like Barca have experienced in the past. This could be a very good thing for them. Uh, you know, Bar <laughs> I think at one point before Barca won in tw uh, last season, we were kind of thinking, will Barca ever will win it again? Like for four or five years, they kept having these, like the best team and never getting it done. Vesprim didn't have the best team. They have a, a very good team. Next year, the team is getting better. Season after that, the team is getting even better again. And so this, this is a step on the journey for them, yeah. I reckon. Final moments of the game as well. It was a Dushabayev that stepped up, but not Alex. And it was Danny. Were you surprised by his performance today? I was completely surprised, and I think I mentioned it to uh, was it Kevin beside me, uh, and I said, "There's what? What is Danny Dushabayev doing on the court? Like, I can't believe he's actually out here." And uh, then he did step up out of nowhere. Like the moments we've seen of Danny Dushbaev, uh, yeah, Danny Dushbaev over the last couple of games as he's ramped up from injury 
have not been good. Mm. He's been trusted with that playmaker position and um, he hasn't been able to do it. But then um, he, he scored some really nice backcourt short shots. And I think that's what Kielsa had ahead of Beshrem today was their nine meter shooting. Um, it started off very rough with Sitchko going one from four in the first mm. couple of minutes. Corrales was in charge, actually. He was taking them all. But then Kulesh just was incredible. He scored some big goals. And then Danny Dushbaev came in with big ones as well. Mm. And, and Igor get... Karacic. And Igor Karacic. Yeah. What Igor a game. Karacic. Igor, Igor Kafacic scoring from the right back position over and over again. His combination with, uh, with Alex Zizhapayev was phenomenal today. That's really like, he, he's really stepped up. He knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Igor Karacic. So we're going to move on to maybe the second semi-final now. One but final point. Uh, more, one uh, more hot take or one no, just No, no, no. This okay. is something I just forgot to mention, okay. uh, which I wrote down. So I do, I do want to mention it. Vesham lost it because of their ill-discipline. And that's it. They had eight two-minute suspensions. And during those suspensions, Kielsa scored 13 goals. Mm. That's it. Game over. Now, you, mm. you can't recover from that. Mm. So that, the ill-discipline was the deciding factor here. Blaj Blagatinček, ill-discipline again. So I think, you know, it's, it's the players were good enough. The team was good enough. But today they made some mistakes which allowed Kielsa to win. So to also answer your question, yes, Vesham might be cursed, but their team is still good enough to win. Very nice. So if you just joined us, mm. we do have a very big giveaway today before we talk about the second semi-final. We have tickets to next year's Final Four, two of them up for grabs. And you have to do three things to enter. You have to follow the handball hour on Twitter or Instagram. You then have to follow us on your, or subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And then lastly, you have to enter here on Twitch by writing tickets or giveaway or anything. Enter. Really, or enter. Yeah. You've about 20 minutes left to do that. 20 minutes. Max. So we have, we have 25 entries uh, in the giveaway on Twitch, but I'm counting the followers for the handball hour on the Instagram. Mm. And we have 10. So 15 people have to... Either, either our, already following us. If you are already following us, that's, uh, you know, fair play. That's good. <laughs> well done. We, we'll check your, uh, your name. Um, <laughs> See, yeah, I told you Alex is going to take this very seriously. <laughs> He's not giving away free tickets for nothing. Good. So, uh, so there was another game. There was another game. Oh, yeah. What a game. And I think the first half of that was absolutely incredible and just in terms of the atmosphere and some of the tackles oh. and the response of the crowd just everything was just incredible I just I absolutely love that first 30 minutes yeah it felt more um, aggressive that, that first half especially mm. um, in terms of the hits were just harder and it felt like the crowd was feeding off that Mm. It, you know, the boos, the, the shouts, the reactions were kind of built into that first half. But at the same time, there was no defense. The hits were hard, but mm. no one was really doing any defending. Something, <laughs> something actually really surprised me when, when Nicholas Ekberg intercepted that first, I don't know what that attack was, by the way, that was absolute nonsense. Inter intercepted that pass, scored an easy fast break goal. And I heard the crowd, I was like, oh yeah, we're in Germany. 
<laughs> oh wait, I'm surrounded by white actually. <laughs> no, because I saw I saw the Kiel fans. Sorry, I saw the Kiel fans up in the corner. I was like, oh, that's a nice number of them. But then you heard the crowd. You're like, oh wait, of course. Yeah, these are all here to support. They're all Germans here to support Kiel. Mm. And I kind of forgot that a little bit. Yeah. And then yeah, you kind of think these are all just neutrals who are going to kind of be cheering no matter what. But there was actually a, a, hu a huge support for Kiel today. Yeah. Yeah. Which so where should we start? Um, do, do you want to go through the game, Chris, a little bit? Uh, give us a, a view on that first half, or will I just tell you exactly what happened and what was the key <laughs> thing? <laughs> Come on, Alex. <laughs> Come tell us exactly what happened. Preach to us. Yes. Uh, the same thing that happened in the first leg, and that is first game. Uh, in the first game, yeah. and that is Barca used their bench. Uh, in a very clever way. Fully agree. And it made the difference. Yeah. Kiel played the same players. I had a of moment. They were missing a couple. Thankfully, everything I, everything I say that I thought and said on the broadcast is actually there for everyone to check <laughs> as well. But I did, in particular, it's I mentioned. It's here between you two. And I had <laughs> Glamps in I had the Blas, a 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 a a I haven't seen him play in the backcourt much, but he's going to play in the backcourt a lot today. And I say he's not going to start, but we're going to see a lot of him. And I was really happy to see that. And really happy to see a lot of left-handers as well on both teams in the first half. But uh, yeah, the tactical use of the players and the, the rotation of the bench, both sides tried it, of course. And Kiel were kind of forced to because we knew that was the only way they could kind of make up for the players they were lacking, those who shall not be named, because <laughs> they've been named 400 times this weekend. Um, but what I, was, what I want to ask you, first of all, was Nikola Bilic, because you talked him up big time before the game. Uh, I bought into that hype a little bit. I thought, you know, this is his chance. He did start, but he didn't really want to shoot, did he? He was scared. Yeah. He's terrified. And the thing is, at the very end, when the game was lost... Yeah, scored two he, goals. He scored two goals. Yeah. They're beautiful goals. Took them perfectly. But I think the occasion... And of, you have to forgive him because he's just... He basically hasn't played for the last two seasons. Yeah. So to be thrown into a game like that and given that responsibility was a fairy tale that we wanted to believe in, yeah. I think. Mm. But uh, it, it's, it's a stretch. It was a stretch. What do you think, Brian? Oh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very hard situation for him to step up in an arena, in an arena like that. And we're talking about the... I was getting goosebumps. I've never gotten more goosebumps at a Final Four than today. It was, it was <laughs> and it was a really hot day, so and a really uh, hot that day. says something. Yeah, no, but I, I can't believe the pressure that he was under and to, to step and, and cover for someone like Sanders Sagas. And it was, it, maybe the occasion got to him a little bit. And uh, you, say, you say he scored two goals. I only see one on the score sheet, but anyway... Uh, we'll let that one slip. But he scored two at the end. He did. They're wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we saw with our eyes. <laughs> Paddy Vincek, though, was solid as a rock. Oh, Paddy Vincek is someone that did step up and someone that had that just. Oh, how he I was their Rasmus Lauge. 
He was the Rasmus Fennel guy, is exactly it. He wanted to win that game. He wanted to prove that um, they can do it without these players or whatever. And he, he was on fire. He scored uh, six goals in the first half as a line player. Yeah, and seven overall though, right? Seven overall. That, 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 was, that was my big worry at halftime because I was like, right, Keeler in this game, but look at the players who scored. And Patrick Vincek scored six, and I was like, he can't do this for the whole game. He's just not fit. like because he was playing in defence as well. But he can't do that. Like, that he was playing we both ways. Yeah, the it pressure was, was on him because he had to play sixty minutes. Yeah. And it was too much. It was unsustainable, which is a real pity. Uh, and you know, it was kind of like Barca really just—they were biding their time. That's what, that's what the, the feeling he got. Like yes, it was it was really tight for twenty-five minutes, and Barca pulled away just a tiny bit before halftime. It was only one goal lead at the break, but it was as that second half wore on, it was like, ah, there's something different here. However, that relied on two other things that could have gone completely the other way. Number one is the goalkeeper battle, right? And Nicholas Landin unfortunately had a mare. He, he just, nothing, he couldn't save anything. And Perez of Argus had a fantastic second half. I don't know what his second, I think his second half percentage was in the high 30s. Um, but the other thing was that there were two left backs for Barca that actually played well in the second half. And you talked about that first attack, and that was the player who gave it away was Engesson. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it was like, oh God, this is actually not going to be yeah, good. But for it him. was 29 32. With yeah. how many? Three, I think three minutes left or something like that. I was thinking, oh, here we go. Final yeah, four, yeah, final it four. felt like it. Final it felt four. like it. And an angry song put it, put put that to bed then completely. Yeah, with that one of his random rockets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely right. And Haniel Langaro scored yeah. an incredible <laughs> random <laughs> rocket. That was, that was a serious random rocket. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's it. But that's this kind of attitude of here's Langaro, who's barely played this mm. season, but he has played a little bit. You have five minutes, put everything you have into those five minutes. And it worked for Kielsa with someone like Thrasticin. It worked for Barca this mm. time with uh, Langaro. And it meant that whoever came off, whether it was Sindrich, who had a fantastic game. Sindrich was absolutely amazing. Mm. Just he could rest for those five minutes yeah. and make the difference in the second half. Mm. Yeah, just really good use of the team. Aitro Arino played really well, like in defense in particular, and then scored a couple on the on the wing, Jans playing centre back was, Jans was really back. good. Remember, remember in the men's Euros where mm -hmm. I think it wasn't the last one; it was the previous one where we had a big argument about Swiss Army knife. Yeah, and I really wanted Jans. I really wanted Jans because mm. he is the ultimate Swiss Army knife. And you, you argued against me. I think it was Christian O'Sullivan who won at that time. Yeah. This is why Jans is the biggest Swiss Army knife because he can just go in. As well, a he never went. He never went as a playmaker before, but <laughs> now he, he has. Yeah, yeah. Well, now we know that. Yeah, uh, really, another fun moment there. Speaking of versatility, and I have to give credit to uh, Stefan Weinhold as well. I think he and Harold Rankin were brilliant, the two left-handers in the backcourt. But I really liked when they were playing seven v six in the second half, and Stefan Weinhold ended up at left back. <laughs> he was like, well, I'm just going to go for it. And he played the ball into Bjarte Mirhol, who scored, I think, his only goal of the game. And it was like, 
40-year-old Bjartemiro getting the ball from Stefan Weinhold playing at left back. That was uh, a real <laughs> DIY or <laughs> <laughs> patchwork job, we had a which good, worked good, well. Good comment from Nina here, uh, who said that we knew we weren't going to play with Sagasen or Peckler, but we didn't know that we weren't going to play without Landine either. And yeah. I want to just dig in on that a little bit. This is hot take number two, mm. is that Nicholas Landin is the reigning IHF World Player of the Year. He is the best player in the world. And I think goalkeepers get a bit of leeway for bad performances and big moments. Imagine if it was Sagasen who scored one from nine and Kiel lost in a game like this. All of the conversation would be, you know, ah, oh, Sagasen had a, such a bad game. What, what happened here? When it's a goalkeeper who had four saves in the whole game, di like, didn't touch the ball, it's like, ah, oh, it was a poor game from Landini, it didn't show up, but, you know, he's still the best in the world. And I think there's a little bit of hypocrisy there. What do you think about that? <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. I mean, also, we're, we collectively can be very vocal about bad goalkeeping performances as well. So, you know, you two on Vincent Girard in particular, <laughs> which I often have to end up defending. But, yeah, you expect... I mean, Nicolas Sandin in Europe hasn't had a good season. Like, no. it's, he's under 30% saves. In, in the All-Star team, though. Yeah, the All-Star team <laughs> goalkeeper, which says, you know, that's, that's you fans' fault for voting, um, voting him in. But he, the talk was always... But he can, and he's, of course he can, he can turn a game on its head like with a single performance. And that's why they held on to him for the whole time, because he doesn't need to have a good game. He can just have a good 10 minutes. And uh, yeah, it wasn't him who did it. Yeah, and someone in the comments here, Miha082, uh, Alex is annoyingly right as always. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't agree yeah. more with you there, Miha. Well, actually, to, uh, to say annoyingly right as well, uh, I predicted that Marito would be top scorer in the championship. He went eight from eight, but it was Alex Gomez that was the real star, though, right? Yeah. Ah. Oh. Never has wing scoring looked so good before. <laughs> Not like he has this amazing combination of like really subtle wrist movement, but also whacking within the same shot, smacking it into the in off the far post, but yeah. also with brilliant movement on the ball. And uh, yeah, he had a day today. Yeah. Really, really. I good think day. It that exact goal you're talking about. It was late in the second half. And it, I think Keel had just scored, was it one or two in the row or something like that? And that goal that went in then, and you can see the whole crowd just, they were all up in the field, they all sat down again. Game's over. Forget it, forget it. But he, he almost got the record for the most goals in uh, Final Four. Uh, second. Most. Yeah. He he's, almost he, got he, it. He's second, yeah, yeah. He, he's second now. The top is 13 goals from Juanin Gar Garcia, who was another Barcelona winger. Yeah. Uh, a left wing on this stage. But I was really hoping for him to get that final goal to, to at least level that top, mm. top scorer goal. But, you know. I could do it tomorrow. Right. And he's talking he, about a final. Great, though, isn't he? He's great to watch. Gomez? Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. He's incredible. He's amazing. He's just. Uh... His bounce. Even when he's celebrating, he's got that bounce. <laughs> yeah. He's just. Oh, he's just a great. Bounce player. and wrist. Yeah. That's what you need in, yeah. a, 
uh, in a winger. Also, just a quick one on Dylan Nahi, uh, talking about bounce and wrist. Dylan Nahi missed his two wing shots mm -hmm. today, and it's becoming a problem. He's just, he's overdoing it. He just like, he has space in the wing. He's doing He'll the Luke Abelo. He's doing the Luke Abelo, but he's not as good as Luke Abelo yeah. yet. He's, he's a long way to go, and yeah, he's still incredibly skilled. But and he, he did some good work in the second half. But it actually seems like yeah, you you want to give him as little time to think as possible. Exactly. Give him a tight wing shot; he'll find a way through. Give him half the court, like those two times, and he'll and he'll up. overthink it. He, he does. Think a bad he shot. does like a fake yeah. up here, a fake down yeah. there, and then shoot with a low arm yeah. for some reason, where you can just put it into the top. You, you know, you know when Miguel Sanchez Miguel is coming on instead of him, you're like, well, this is really been, <laughs> okay. Well, right time to put the defensive specialist on, and then he gets a two minute suspension, and then Artem Karolek is out there. <laughs> He's like, he has to come in as a second line player, starting on the left wing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Didn't harm them in the end, though. No. Sure the, the, the changes yeah. they could make. He'll probably score 10 goals tomorrow. Yeah. Just yeah, he, yeah, he has that ability, but yeah. he has to get that wing shot sorted. True. So how long have we left? So you have a, we have a few minutes left, so your last chance to enter the competition to win two tickets to next year's four. Checking the Instagram constantly, so do follow us there as well as on Twitter, which I am also checking. Wait a second. So, and then you can win <laughs> these beautiful, beautiful tickets. Uh, not the actual tickets. <laughs> the actual tickets have a lot more security in them, I guess. They have QR code, maybe, the actual ones. They could. You'll they find could. out next year if you win. So, final. It was your dream from the beginning of the season. You said you wanted to see Chelsea Barcelona, and now you're going to see it. So you must be absolutely... First say, of all, delighted say, with the final. Say, say your phrase, go on. No, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> We're getting paid for say this. The <laughs> <laughs> say the phrase. Say the phrase. Say the phrase. You're going to be le cream in your jockos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but not for, for once of all getting it right, and second of all, your dream final pairing. I, I have been saying that they've been t the two most exciting teams mm -hmm. in the competition so far. And uh, it's... In, in some way, it's a little bit boring because everyone had Kielsa and, and Barcelona as favourites. Everyone we talked to over the last two days mentioned that it was Kielsa and Barcelona. That's not boring, though. No, no, it's no, just no. really good. They're just, <laughs> really, they're just the best teams. But, you know, it's everyone, but it's Cologne. You, know, this, this you want the underdog. It's always yeah, an yeah, underdog like, story. Yeah, the, yeah. But it's Cologne didn't happen this year. Yeah. That doesn't matter because we have the two best teams yeah. fighting it out at the top level. And even though Kielsa have beaten Barcelona twice this season. That was earlier in the season. That's before Barcelona um, got the wind in their sails. Got the wind in yeah. their sails, exactly. Uh, what's your gut feeling then, Chris? If you're gonna <laughs> put your neck out there now, right now, who, what's your, what was your I've gut reaction? I've been uh, corrupted by Victor Tomas after what he said yesterday, and he said it to me again after the <laughs> semi-finals. He was like, we're not losing to Kielce three times in one season. <laughs> Which is, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's a fair point. Yeah. It's a very fair point. However, the fear I have, it, I, it's kind of the same as in Budapest with Vipers and Jure. So my good, my good feeling is based on a certain thing, and actually it's based on the same position. So with Vipers, like, they have a chance to win that final if someone performs like Yerabkova did in the semi-final. 
turns out she was the one who performed like she did in the semi-final. And again, it's that left-back position for Barcelona tomorrow. Engerson or Langaro or Zayn or <laughs> Tiagos Petras <laughs> or maybe Blasians. <laughs> someone, also, someone in the left-back position has to, to step up. Needs yeah. to step Re- up. Really interesting that uh, Doman Makuc didn't, didn't play, play. Yeah, didn't play at all. I, I haven't maybe. heard that he's injured. Ooh, maybe he's being held in reserve for the final. That's oh, fun. That's that fun. would be that because would be uh, tactically, he's a perfect move. perfect player to use in that final. And Vesprem showed that when they used uh, Yahia, Lauga, and Mahe in the backcourt, and the way they moved in the backcourt, so that gave that the big Kielsa centre block a lot of problems. That worked really well in the first half, and if it wasn't for the things you talked about earlier. Mahé probably would have been kept in there. That's why I think they started them instead of Nanadic. So Makuts being used alongside Sindic is a possibility tomorrow and a really exciting one. Maybe Jans at right, uh, right back. It is getting late. <laughs> super fast. Super fast. <laughs> Wait. We're getting to conspiracy theory hour here. Chris is going to get It's going to be a tactical battle. We need the tactical board. <laughs> no, I think or take us on your shadow coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Uh, I, yeah, that's. that's Wait, uh, so is, I, is Yusuf Benali out? Tomorrow. He got a direct red card. He got a direct red card. That's going to be, no. I think it's reviewed. Yeah, oh. they, they review it and then decide what the. Uh, that, was a, that was a tough one. It was On a reflection. Tough. I, I didn't he, think it was. It was, it was accidental, but then like, the whole. He, right. he, he took care, like he had the care of the player, which he didn't. He did a very bad thing, but he didn't mean it. He didn't mean Still it. Still a red card. I think that'll play in his favour and he might be available for tomorrow. If not, Luis Raja. <laughs> Luis Frade yeah, uh, was not in the squad today no. and maybe he'll get a chance so some comments here do the bit brain is that uh, meant to be for me yeah do, 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 bit, I, do the bit the, that was the, your bit uh, cream your jocks oh yeah. sorry yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Irish people do truly have the, some of the best phrases I don't know what phrase you're talking about but uh, <laughs> guys you told nothing about the placement match correct that's your favorite match. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be third and fourth place match. Is year, always the highlight of the year. Yeah, it's a great exhibition game. However, <laughs> um, listening to poor Rasmus Lauga after, like he was, he had to do the post-match interview, and he was asked about oh, tomorrow, which is the worst question yeah, you no. can ask him, and he he just like stopped it. He's like, I really don't care. <laughs> He's like, of course, of course, we'll get the energy. Like, of course, we'll do it. But right now, I'm really, really sad. And so for these two teams in particular, I think it, like in comparison, you know, in the women's final four, you, like Metz and Esbjerg, they had something to get up for. Vesprem <sighs> and Kiel, it's tough for them. Mm. They, they, they probably expected, you know, the heart of hearts. Chances are they'd be there. It doesn't make it any easier. Hmm. It'll be a great game, though. I mean, in that sense, like, I don't think either team really cares whether they're third or fourth, but it means it'll be a really fun game. Nikola Bilic, 14 goals. <laughs> Incoming. <laughs> yeah. Just one game late. Yeah. One game late. And when are we back on tomorrow? <laughs> uh, we're on after the final match. So mm-hmm. after the final at eight, I believe, we'll be on to give you full reactions of the day give emotions, give 
tactical talk, give hot takes. Everything will be there. So the three of us will be there. And are we the final thing? We're the final thing. Oh we're my goodness. We were the, the first show. thing and the final thing. First thing the final and in the middle, we were the best thing because <laughs> of the tickets. <laughs> the tickets are, are pretty good. Tickets yeah. are pretty good. Okay. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our 54 of the live show and our one of the EHF Final Four post-final review podcast. Lads, I'm emotionally drained. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we have Nedzad, Nacho, Smaldagic. How close is that? Better than Very last good. time? Better than, yeah, better than Blagotinchek, so that's good. Yeah. Blagotinchek? <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's gotten better over the years. Uh, he's joining us because Brian Campion, well, not because of that. We'd like you to join anyway, but Brian is um, he's on the court still with players. I think he's going he's gonna to be taking some photos and videos later. So we're going to chat in here because I think among the three of us and all of you listening live and watching live at home, there's enough to talk about over the next hour. So, where do we start? Do we start with the final, or do we do? Will we go into the bronze medal match a little bit? Because yeah. that's your your favorite game, that, right? That, like that would really be teasing everyone <laughs> at home to just go straight into <laughs> to go straight into the bronze medal game. But it was quite a bronze medal game, huh? It wasn't it wasn't as wild for the whole game. It was actually a very it was kind of like a, it was like a first leg quarterfinal match. It was really <laughs> tense for the first half, and then it kind of opened up quite a bit. But uh, what was your take on it? I mean, let's yeah, we're talking about the bronze medal game. Now. Yeah, yeah, let's do Kiel, let's do a bit on bronze medal. Kiel I, I think, beat Vesprem after penalties. Yeah, thirty-seven, thirty-five. The first thing was that I wasn't sure if it was legal for them to go straight into penalties or they should play an extra time. I think it's the right decision. Uh, Clemens told me that the rule was changed in 2015 after, uh, again, both games went into extra time. So I'm going to believe him because uh, he's, he, he's, he's, he's always right. Yeah. Um, but it was exciting. Um, it looked like Veshrem were the better team. Everyone had predicted Veshrem to be the, the winners of that tie. Uh, and then they came back. There were four goals down at one stage. Kill. It, uh, Keel uh, in the in the second half, and they just got this extra energy, and uh, finally the Keel fans woke up, uh, and uh, like so, who who brought them that extra energy to just equalise? Do you think, uh, Nejad? I mean, it, it will sound weird, but I almost think that like Vesperan players brought them that that energy. There was like a clash between not not a clash, but a, a bit of trash talk between Zarabets and 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 Rasmus Lauge. And then literally 10 seconds after that, Zarabet just won, a, won against one score a goal. There was a two-minute penalty. I think that, uh, and obviously Landin made some, made some saves that, that helped them. Uh, and I need to say there was one player that stepped up today that did not show up yesterday, and that's Nikola Bilic. I'm very happy. I think seven from nine, as yeah. if, if, I, if I wrote it correctly. Uh, he showed uh, that if you give him the time, if you maybe release a bit the pressure, that he can show up. He, sh he showed that also in the last two games in the Bundesliga, where he played more after Sargosin got injured. He has that quality. Yes, he's way slower than he was before the injury. Yes, you can see that that physicality is not there. But when you give them the trust, when you, give, when you say, okay, if you, shoot, if you shoot and miss one or two balls, 
you will still stay on. I will not replace you as he had did in the semi-final because yeah. Bilic started, got what eight minutes should have taken at least two or three shots, did not do it, was replaced, and that was it. So I'm really happy for him. I think that he's deserved it. And in general, it was a collective, collective performance during pure fighting spirit that they showed because I think that they are now dead, literally, after these, these two games. Yeah, actually, from my perspective, so Bilic kept Kiel in it. So it was really at a stage where the game was kind of trucking along. It seemed like both teams were comfortable with the results. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was Bilic was the player who kept Kiel in the game. But the person who kind of drove the victory, there was two, I think, for Kiel. And that was uh, Vincek, who this time around, he got a little bit, bit of a break in the middle, which meant he came back uh, with about 15, 20 minutes left. And I don't know where he got the energy, but just drove that Kiel team forward together with Duvniak, who was the emotional force uh, in that second half for Kiel. Yeah, how... How impressive is Patrick Fincheck? Like, second leg of the quarterfinals, six goals. First, the semi-final yesterday, seven, and six again today. From a guy who really has been, like, he's been a defender for, like, a lot of the last couple of years with Hendrik Pekeler in the team. And he's, a, like, a bit part attacker. And really reeled back the years. I mean, what a... Just, a, you know, something so almost so unusual about him as well in the way he plays but my favorite moment is where i think it was right towards the end of the game must have been his last goal where he got the interception first of all yeah and then didn't run directly down the court ran around the left overtook Runa Damka <laughs> and, was, and, and received the ball on the left wing in the counter-attack so he started the move with the steal and he finished it off from the left wing. I was just like, where, where do you get that from? That was amazing. And that, that really does signify it. Billick was fantastic. Like that, when he really let that arm go, there was one really nice goal where he shot right over the center block and the, the huge center block that Vesprem have. But when, like, he has a unique ability to use his full wingspan in a shot and it doesn't matter how tall the center block is he'll find a way past them if he really believes it and uh, he did today yeah yeah I think the other key turnaround was uh, Nicholas Andine and uh, if anyone actually follows us on Twitter you may have seen that <laughs> we on the Uninformed Handball Hour we do we do this a lot I mean Alex and by we, I mean me, uh, <laughs> where I post uh, some sort of missing. So I've had uh, missing DKMM, as in find uh, Waldo, uh, before. And what did DKMM do? He scored seven goals in the next game. This time around, after 40 minutes, I made a missing poster for Nicolas Andine because he deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, yeah, yeah. he was doing nothing for 100 minutes in this championship. And then he woke up. Well, how? It's Niklas Landin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's Nik we need to say that. And it's not only... I'm, I'm feeling really bad for Dario Kverstad. I mean, I need to say Dario Kverstad is not a bad goalkeeper. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Dario Kverstad is a decent goalkeeper for, let's say, a Bundesliga team below third place. I, I, I see him like that. And yesterday was also a bit... He got a two and a half minutes on the court. Didn't 
have a chance to say anything was replaced because Yiha knows who is Niklas Landin. You guys spoke about that on, uh, like before the semifinals. That's probably o- the only goalkeeper currently where the other players are thinking about him. His opponents are thinking about Niklas Landin and they know when he's there, if he gets his day. I mean, Perez Vargas is an amazing goalkeeper, but if you just look at the physicality of the boat, it's a bit different effect when Niklas Landin is staying there. And I think whenever he saves a couple of balls in a row, then even that powerful defense from Kiel is getting even more and more powerful, even harder. But I like that he had rotated the defenses the entire time. Obviously, they have the players for that. Even without Peckler, they played either a 6-0 or some kind of 5-1. Then they started also today with some kind of 3-2-1. There was a 3-2-1. Uh, with, yeah, and there, there was a 3-2-1 there. was a, like a 3-3 defense yeah. at once. Like the yeah. real old-school 3-3 that I haven't seen too much. Yeah, but it's. It, I mean, for I need to just to finish the thought and also add up maybe on Patrick Winchuk. I had a feeling also yesterday that kill players are searching for him. So I, it was obviously you know that Kelce is playing a lot with with the line players either Turnau or Karalek Barca when Fabregas was healthy. Yes, but I did not expect that Kill will base their game more or less in the semi-finals and also in in, in bronze medal game on Winchuk. Yeah. I really did not expect. I expected a lot of seven against six. And I expected maybe some kind of isolation for for Einkin, maybe even for Zarabet, but they will that they will play like uh, matchups two against two with Vincek. And what I also like that he's a modern line player in in the case that he is running a lot. I don't yeah. know the statistics, but I think at least 30 or 40 percent of his goals in this final four are fast break goals, which is amazing taking yeah. into consideration how many minutes he needed to play. Mm-hmm. So hats off for that. He, he, also, <laughs> he also moves a lot on the line, uh, which is uh, rarer to see these days. Mm. Um, you have you know, someone like uh, Andy Nielsen, even Karolek uh, Turnau is another example where they set a base and try to overpower a defender. Uh, Vincek can do that and does that, but more often he is actually moving into the gaps behind the defense, which, uh, again, was really effective, especially because every team in this uh, Final Four played quite an aggressive defense, at least at some stage. And for Kiel, it was Vincek who punished teams playing that aggressive defense. So what do you think about Vespro and all of this? On, yeah, they, taking a deep breath. They, uh, I don't know. They, I think that the, the only they had a similar game as, as they had yesterday. Mm. So a very good first half. Uh, the difference was for me maybe that yesterday they opened not only good emotional but also in, in some kind of emotional and relaxed. If it does, if it makes sense to say that, I saw that they are having yeah. fun playing handball. Today was a different. I I saw it multiple times during the game discussions between players of Vesprem. Yeah. Yahya screaming on my why are you not going there when I want to go there and and then all of these different things that you rarely see in the professional handball. You see it quite rarely that pe- that players of one team and that level are not fighting but having some discussions during the during the game. And that was the part that, that surprised me a bit. Uh, and I would say I think you, you said that you said that Alex yesterday evening the lack of discipline in yeah. both directions. So Kentan Maé played left wing the, the end of the second half. Yeah. He was decent, but there are at least three or four scenes when he was trying to catch the ball, uh, kind of trying to anticipate and provoke that mistake to Rankin and the ball got to the right winger. 
totally easy goals for kill that normally should not happen. So they kind of wanted too much, and I didn't see a clear structure. I didn't see a player who will say, okay, now we do this, now we stop. It was a bit of a mess between Maie, Lekai in the second game, obviously Nenadic, who is anyway really hard to control. So, he, he had yeah. a much better attitude today, though, yeah. Nenadic. Yeah. Uh, he had a more difficult challenge. But, uh, yeah. I, There's one thing on, on Nenadic and his uh, attitude. Uh, while he was warming up on uh, behind the bench, at one point he just uh, turns around and gives Bob Hanning a hug. He's commentating <laughs> on German TV. So that was him. He was very that was his, <laughs> he was very his relaxed today. attitude. He was very chill today. Yeah. Uh, I think... Um, yeah, for, for Brestrem, there wasn't enough structure. There wasn't... We, we saw the two teams in the final, uh, especially how they had very specific lineups. It was like, this team comes in, then this setup of players comes in to enable this set of players to come in yeah. at this stage of the game. That was non-existent for Brestrem. They basically... They kind of... They had a bit of structure, they had the defensive substitutions, but it was more about, okay, who's on form? Let's replace him. And especially, I think, Yahya Omar needs a little bit more structure. He had an incredible game today. Mm -hmm. Eight goals. Um, really, he was the player in control. But I think if his time was managed a little bit better today, so he was on fire, maybe give him a little bit of a break, those last five, ten minutes... That's when Yahi Omar, that's when you need him to really take over and finish the game for Breshman. But at that stage, he, he was kind of out on his feet. And um, that's down to Momir Ilic, I think. Yeah, it was, but I also didn't like, I mean, didn't like, in my personal opinion, they focused too much on the referees, especially yesterday. Yeah. Uh, like, not, on, not only in the second half, but also like the, after the first 15 minutes, after every decision, you had some things. Now you had in the finals, in my opinion, there are a couple of situations where Barca had the opportunity to scream on the referees. There are a couple of scenes, especially at the end of the game, where there was a foul on Alex Shabai, which I never saw that is a foul. And there were a couple of players, maybe for five seconds, that tried to find a contact with the referees and just stopped, focused on the defense, continued playing. And I think that was the part that was Vesprem was missing. And again, yeah, Yahi Omar had a very good game today, but if you see the hierarchy of the of the players in that team, I'm not sure. If if you let's put it in the, into into context, start from Kjeldse, maybe not Branko Vujic is not Yahya Omar, but Branko Vujic is, or let's say not the A player from Kjeldse. I can never see Branko Vujic screaming on any other player from Kjeldse in the game. That would never happen, and Yahya Omar did that. If Lauge did, does it, okay. Maybe if Lekai does it, okay, but not Yahya Omar. And that's for me a sign that something was rotten there. Yeah, I, I think I'd like to give Yahya Omar a little bit of slack here because he he's still young. I think he yeah. it, it's it's a part of his journey to become a mature handball player. He has all the skill. Now he has to learn how to take control of those really important moments and games. And I think he has that ability, and he has many more EHL sure, final sure. fours to come. Um, then it came to the Penalty shootout. Do you remember it, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we go to the penalty shootout, I just want to ask you one thing about because I think one of the defining things in the comeback was, and I, I I can't wait to see like the the analysis of the time here in terms of attack spent because honestly, it felt like for about three quarters of the match, it was Keel in attack, and I 
at least two thirds of the game was Keelan attack. And if you look at fouls committed, one of those uh, stats was it came up at one point, and it was three times as much Vesprem in comparison to Keel. And because Keel were literally camped in, it was like it was almost like a rugby match in terms of the, a team being like in the opposition half for so long, because Vesprem were happy to allow that, and then because for most of the game they were scoring easy goals at the other end. They were just yeah. finding the right solutions over and over again. And they were riding this wave. But do you think that might have had an impact? Because it is a lot harder to defend for the majority of the game. Mm. And then when it comes to the late minutes, then to actually be able to, uh, to have that energy to hold on to, to control the game. Because they went from scoring easy goals all day long to all of a sudden having to manage the game, which they didn't manage. It's a good point, but it's also really difficult to attack a set defense mm. in terms of the amount of effort it takes, especially for the backcourt players. So traditionally, the team that spends the least amount of time in the set attack yeah. wins. Mm. And that's what we saw in the game. That, that's what kind of happened for the first 40, yeah. 50 minutes. I think there was just a shift and maybe a, a little bit of lack of concentration from Vestrem. I haven't seen, I can't remember a game where there's been such a... like game that's been close on the scoreboard that has been so like disproportionate yeah. in terms of time spent <laughs> in the opposition attack uh, or defense so uh, although th th there was uh, another moment that I think was really crucial and uh, I think there was some discussion about it in terms of that Andy Nielsen inside call where he took the shot the goal counted mm. I was I was looking at at it from a very good angle, and he was inside. I think he it was the right decision to overturn it. But the fact that they used VAR mm. to overturn that decision is not in the rule book. It's the right decision, but they shouldn't have been able to yeah. do it. And it was such a close call, though. Also from the angle that we were shown on TV, I don't know how many angles were actually there, but the one one of the angles I saw was like. Well, the goalkeeper was in the way of where the line was. So I was mm. like, this is hard to call. How are the referees supposed to give the call? And I think in these cases, the referee should give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker, which happened a lot in the final. Look, Ludovic Fabregas, one of the goals he scored, he literally had his whole forearm <laughs> on the ground as he shot. And half of his uh, body, probably. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, that, I think in that case, maybe the, yeah, they, they were, the complaining got to them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, but yeah, penalty shootouts, oh, they're, they're weird, right? Um, but before, right before it, uh, I was looking at the two goalkeepers and my thought was uh, Corrales is a better goalkeeper uh, this weekend. Not, not in general. <laughs> that is a, no, that's a ridiculous statement, of course. Uh, but Nicolas Sandin is a better seven-meter goalkeeper. And I think that's what mattered uh, in that game. Yeah, if you want to choose between the two of them that you're going to face for a penalty, I know which one I'd choose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there was, there was a really yeah interesting moment in that penalty shootout when Lauga stepped up to take his penalty against Nicholas. And, you know, two players who've played with each other for many, many years. And uh, they, they had a little smile uh, together. It was, it, was, it was a beautiful moment, yeah. but... That was Nicholas Landines <laughs> yeah. just putting Laug in his pocket there. And uh, he knew exactly where he was going to go, made the save. And in the end, yeah, Kiel with a surprise bronze medal. Uh, they should be happy, though.
Yeah, they, they deserve it. I mean, at the end, they deserve it. Yeah. Right? With, with, with a pure fighting spirit. Not, not, yeah, tactics was there, but obviously without Sargosin and Pekela, as we mentioned for a gazillion times yeah. this weekend, other players stepped up. They had some, they had some versatility in, in, their, in their game. For me, it's like penalty shooter is always funny. Whenever it's, it starts, I'm thinking about, okay, who, is the, who are the players from the team that are shooting normally penalty shots? From Vesprem's side, they, had, they have at least five good ones. Where you say, okay, Marguch is the first choice. Uh, then you have Mae, obviously, yeah. who, who can and, and shoot. Yahi Omar was for me a surprising decision. I was calculating with Sterlek, who did not play. I don't know, he was injured. I think but he must have been injured, and uh, that's yeah, but why. Still you can, uh, you can my, shoot, yeah, yeah, you can shoot penalty shot even, even being injured because he's the player who normally, and he has experience with, yeah. with penalty yeah. shooters in, in Cologne, <laughs> which does probably make a difference, yeah. But penalty shooter is penalty shooter, which we will come probably at the finals yeah. where yeah. Andy Wolf almost had two and then. Yeah. yeah. Will we move on to the final then? Yeah, I just want to say it was a good game though. Yeah, and it was I'm, a great I'm game. Really, yeah. like, I was surprised at the, the way it meant just so much to those teams. And, you know, we need to remind ourselves of that also when we think about these bronze medal games. that Exhibition really, games, yeah. as you call them. Exhibition yeah. games. It really does matter. <laughs> like, Maybe they listen. It matters as much, like... You know, whether it's a group phase game, which, you know, a lot of handball people say, oh, it's too many, they don't matter. When these teams face each other, there's a lot on the line. And they, you know, we've all played games that mean diddly squat. But they all matter, like, at the time, at the moment, they matter. And that one really mattered today. I think the fans also helped, sorry, Eric. Yeah. I think the fans helped because you had Kiel and Vesprem. Vesprem had... I think from the amount, the most fans. Yeah, Kelce, they, they were the dominated. Yeah, Kelce dominated. Definitely, Kelsey fans dominated yeah. this final four, but I saw more red jerseys or red t-shirts, and obviously, uh, Tehave Kill is more or less the home team. So I think that, that, that the, the fans' presence helped a lot to make the game better. Mm -hmm. One thing I have to say about the fans, and uh, <laughs> I think that maybe let's answer this, this question. Uh, well, maybe the, does this, the, do you remember Zarabet's yeah, yeah, ability? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he just tried to put yeah. it under the leg. I mean, you know, I think he, he tried the something that it's my favorite penalty oh, to yeah? do. Is it? But on the other side, <laughs> <laughs> it's when, when the keeper is out, which is you, you come across, or in his case, he's coming across, and it's the flick of the, the wrist to just so it lands right at the side of the keeper's foot and spins past. So it's a, when it when it works, it's something you do in training. It's uh, not something yeah, right, you do. You and, know what? It, it reminded me. Really yeah. confident. Yeah. yeah. It's the it's the it's the cut across spin. Yeah. It yeah. reminded me on the like fast breaks that Kirill Azor sometimes does. Yes. You know the one when he comes really close yeah. to the six meter line, just releases the ball and then jumps, fakes fakes it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Amp, he, he was. Yeah. Van is very good at that like, drop of the wrist, yeah. and so I think he was trying to literally just spin it on the inside of the, yeah, like, just exactly. just on the outside of the, the standing foot. However, didn't work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it looked really bad. It, I mean, Nina said on, 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 on the screens looked bad. I can also say that in the arena did not look even better. Yeah. So, yeah. Nina, um, there's, uh, now it's at the end of the 54 hours and there's no HFTV for a while. Just I'm going to tell you something now. A VPN. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> VPN. Three words. Remember that. Miracle. For next season. <laughs> Three words. Chris O'Reilly's voice. VPN. Always. <laughs> VPN. That's your key. <laughs> um, yeah. The final. Oh, one more point about the fans. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with the Kiel fans uh, this weekend. Uh, I think I mentioned it a couple of times because they seem to get louder as the team got better but that was already too late 
it, it worked today, but it didn't work in the semi-final. Um, today, as Kiel came back into it, the fans woke up and the arena got loud, it got raucous, but the, for the 30 minutes before that, it was dead silent. There was a little bit of cheering. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't inspiring. So it really took the players to build the crowd. On the other hand, Kielsen and Veshram fans get louder when their team is behind. Uh, and I think you have to really appreciate that level of support um, for, for those teams. But Kielsen fans were just loud throughout the whole final. I think it's a different... Uh, sorry, Chris. They're good at getting angry. That's all. <laughs> Kiel fans are good at getting angry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. It's a different fan, fan base, I mean, yeah. and, and we can finish it on that. I don't want to say anything bad, but it's like 70%, yeah, it's, it's 70 of fans in, in German Bundesliga, maybe besides Magdeburg, are, that the arenas are already sold out with, with these yearly tickets with uh, people yeah. who are over 50, 60, so they cannot follow the tempo. They drink probably the same amount of beer <laughs> as Pol <laughs> Polish and Hungarian fans. It maybe has a, that's a bit different effect on them. So. Just makes them angrier. But the final started... A little bit slow, didn't it, Chris? Oh, God, let me think. <laughs> it, it was... It was, it was, it was, was, was Barca-Kielsen. Barca yeah, what did I tell you? I said 27-26 I said, I said would be the final score. And it was 28-28. So I think in that sense, it was, it was kind of on par for what was expected. Um, but the reason, I mean, I don't know what, like, why, but it was, it was really... Like Talon Tushabayev put out his B backcourt. So strange. And, and, sorry, and Nicola Torna on the line. So that diamond in the center was the, the B team. Uh, a good B team. Branko Vujic. Branko Vujic came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. Went four from four. I mean, this, that, was, uh, this, first was, half. this whole game was a case of building on what we all spoke about yesterday. The fact that those two teams won the semifinals because of the way they used their squad. Today was a great example, and both coaches really using their squads yeah. and using it for very specific reasons. You spoke about yeah, the using lineups for different things, and something I noticed about watching the, the group phase games between these two teams was that backcourt shooting was pretty prevalent, and that worked for Kielce that time because they won both games. So Branko Vujovic is a really good backcourt shooter yeah. when, he's, when he's on form. Igor Karacic is a very good backcourt shooter when he's on form. And Sichko, well, he's not the B team, but this weekend he was the B yeah, team after what happened on Saturday. A really good backcourt shooter as well. So I think they were looking for, you know, that's why it was slow because there was no, there, they need more than one player to, to run and move yeah. the ball. So it was more about we're going to try and uh, go over them instead of around them. And I think that maybe contributed a little bit. Mm. And then on the other side, uh, the, the key player that was missing at the start of the game and actually ended up being missing for a lot of the game was uh, Sindrich. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about it before we went live. I don't know if he, he was injured. He did not look injured. I mean, at least he walked normally. So I don't, I don't know about that. There was a, he started the game. He was not dominating the game, but he made some good decisions. And you can obviously see, clearly see that he's leading the team and he's deciding on the, on the matchups and on everything. He did a decent job, in my opinion, in 10 or 15 minutes as yeah. the entire yeah. Barca squad. They controlled the game and then they started making... Campos here. Oh, here. guys, uh, I will finish the sentence. I just, I think that I need <laughs> to go. No, no. <laughs> and can then we, I, I mean, I lock the door for Brian. I think it's it's unlocked. It's unlocked. 
Campa. Made it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where are beers? Ali Zayn gave me two beers. Oh. And did so you bring any for us? Yeah, send that to the mic, maybe. We are not jealous. We are not jealous at all. <laughs> yeah, all uh, uh, Yeah, it should be. Let me make some space. What was that you were saying, Brian? So, I tried to go live from the hall. From the and I and was Phoenix. there, and I was sitting there waiting for ages. For what? For to be let into the show. Oh, you were on Vmix. Really? I was on Vmix from the from the hall. Actually, oh, that's a good question. Okay, Where's Clemens? Where's Clemens? <laughs> <laughs> and then Clemens said to me, Clemens said to me, sorry, I didn't see you there. Uh, so, oh, uh, but we, oh, okay. oh, sorry, Brian. And there was champagne yeah. being thrown around and everything. <laughs> oh, so yeah. then I gave up and I went to the dressing oh. room. And then Ali Zang came out to me and goes, you look hungry. And I go, <laughs> and he handed me a big pizza. I try and, I'm going to get the video of it because there's a video of this. Nice. And then he goes in and he goes, and you also want beer. He comes out with two beers. And he goes, I wow. don't drink. And handed oh, me two beers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, what a, what a nice guy. That is lovely. Yeah, and what nice a, well, we're going to go on to his cojones later on. Yeah. Absolutely. You joined us, Brian. At, actually, we just started talking about the final. It's a good timing. We managed to fill half an hour on the bronze medal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did <laughs> look there, down. Is there like, anyone okay. still watching? <laughs> classic, uh, classic oh, us just talking. I will do five minutes on the five bronze minutes game. on the bronze half medal. Half an hour later. Yeah. But uh, going to so sticking with the first half, um, I think. Uh, the key thing, yeah, was the... Oh, Jesus, I've, I've lost my train of thought. Brian, you've ruined it. Yeah. You've ruined everything. Yeah. You sound like me, Alex. <laughs> I, I, can finish, I can finish my sequence. I yeah, can help you. Finish your sentence. I wrote three things that, for me, kind of switch it in, in a good good way for Kjeltsev. And it's only literally only Barca's fault. So they were, I think, three or four in front. Then Mark Kutzian's attacking foul. Mm -hmm. And Sindrich... The decision that I did not understand, they were in uh, one man up, and uh, Ortega just pulled him up from end of the bench and uh, told, him to, told him to come in. Then he made a mistake, a really stupid mistake. He didn't play the ball on the right way. So three mistakes in maybe five minutes, which Kjeltse punished. Came back into the game. Barca was one, one in front and a half, but I, in my opinion, they were way better. They had a really bad five, seven minutes, couple of sequences, and then allowed Kjeltse to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and... It was, I think that was a bit of a change in formation uh, comeback as well, because Kielsa brought in their A-team. Uh, well, first, they, in, in the second half, there was an interesting dynamic because I think Talent wanted to bring in Alex Dushabayev and Daniel Dushabayev into the starting lineup after the first 15 minutes. But Branko Vujovic was having such a good game yeah. <laughs> that he decided to put Alex Dushabayev as a playmaker. Yeah. I don't think that was something that was planned. I, mm. I think that was just a response to Vujovic's game. But then in the second half, Daniel Dushabayev came in and I thought he had a fantastic game. Uh, look, watching the game, but then I looked at the stats and he uh, that's, that's okay. He missed a lot of shots. He was he was expensive, but the, I think the the periods when he played and some of the goals he scored were very timely. He was the guy who was taking on shots when Barca's defense looked really like on top of the game. And so sometimes you need somebody who's just going to be like, you know what, the guys don't really fancy it. I'm going to be the one to just take the terrible shots. 
I'm going to be Vuka Borazan. I'm going to be Vuka Borazan. That's also hot. I'm going to... I'm going to... No, I, 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 you added spice to that. I didn't add spice to that. I just said some guy used to want to take a shot. That's all I said. I'm going to take... Where did you find him? Oh, I had his back. Danny was like, I'm going to take the shots here. And uh, yeah, so he was, he was a little bit expensive, but... Uh, it wasn't like bad misses. That, there were times where everyone was missing and he just kind of, he, you need someone to say, look, it's okay to shoot lads. Yeah. And uh, Danny was that like sacrificial lamb. He, for me, if we don't bring him up again, he's my hero of this weekend, Danny Dushabaya. He did come out of nowhere, didn't he? I wasn't even expecting to see him play too much. I was, defense maybe, and that's maybe one of the reasons why, because he's one of those rare players who can play in the center and attack and play in, play in defense as well so maybe they wanted to reduce the in-out uh, transition between attack and defense but anyway yeah I think uh, bad stats good vibes yeah <laughs> uh, one thing that I want to highlight for Barcelona is uh, an advantage they had over Kielsa was their fast restarts it was Alex Gomez just can we can we just appreciate Alex Gomez and what he's done in this uh, final four and it was absolutely incredible and next season there's the new rule where you can throw off anywhere within the center circle not just in the middle <laughs> and that's gonna make him even more dangerous yeah. it will not also not help you chris because i think that like, the game will be even more faster oh, right? yeah. <laughs> to, to, to see all to catch all of the action right. and <laughs> ah, you gotta live it like, how brian how like you were in amongst the fans i think for the most part in the game uh, you were in the timeouts. You were you were getting you were catching the emotions and the atmosphere very much. But I'm I'm sure you also like down on court side, like the speed of the game as yeah. it as it built up. You said it was a slow start to the game, but it really started to build up towards the late first half. You must have caught that as well. Yeah, I think for bench reaction videos, I think it was an absolute goldmine, especially towards the end of the game because it really looked like Barcelona had it just right at the end, and they were almost on the edge of kind of like celebrating like we we have this arms around each other hopping around the place but yeah it was just i mean i have a headache after those two games it was, yeah. a, it, was it was almost a bit too much for me just for move, moving your head <laughs> yeah, it, was just, it was just a bit too much some water no i'm good i'm good um i know but it was a, the scenes afterwards as well was uh, it was absolutely incredible i mean they didn't really let us into the dressing room this year last year we were all in there for ages and taking all the photographs. This year they got naked pretty quickly, so we had to get out of there. <laughs> uh, so there were, there's only one photo I took in there, so that, and that was it. That was it. Um, but yeah, just incredible what you don't see then um, on on TV when they're behind there just smashing beers and they're all doing the Ronaldo uh, <laughs> backstage over and over again. As a Barcelona oh, wrong team. Wrong team. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, is. Yeah. Wrong actually, team. What's happening? Actually, yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. this is uh, in front of Jean Laporta. <laughs> that oh is uh, that's scandalous. Yeah. That, that's that's part of the reason why I don't support Barcelona in the, on the humble side, I think. I, I so 30% off of the salaries from Barca <laughs> players. you're a neutral. Because like I am a neutral. Uh, so uh, Barcelona had the advantage on the fast goals. Uh, Alex Gomes got three. And then Tiagos Petris got a fantastic one in the second half where they got uh, a bit of a turnover. And then Alex Gomes did the fast break, played Petris. He scored. So that was four goals that Kielsa didn't have on their side. What he also did have was their nine meter shooting, and my namesake, Vladislav Kulesh. He, he again, he came out of nowhere. Um, he came out of nowhere yesterday. He's had a pretty poor season, yeah. to be honest. 
but when he was needed, he scored for them. And I think, let me just get his uh, shooting percentage, but uh, did he even miss? Um, I don't think so. But not. I would. I would not even focus on the scoring. Okay, four, four from six. But oh, yeah. um, th that's yeah. for. And they were all nine meter shots. Yeah. And he had one assist. <laughs> what? What, 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 an assist. Assist. what an assist! <laughs> what an assist! <laughs> oh, I mean, have you ever seen at this level? I mean, I've seen it. I've seen you and I and many other people <laughs> do this level of miscommunication in terms of defenders stepping out. But like the panic on their faces as the two boys, Fabregas and Tiagas Petras, stepped out to try and be like, yes, we're going to make the big final block. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Shit. <laughs> I, I found it hard to believe. It was like, this is really bad, like terrible, like there was no way. But do you think, so what we were wondering watching it mm. was, was that a planned move where Alex Dushabayev, so it was like a triple bluff or a double bluff. So That's Alex Dushabayev is going to be the guy who takes the shot, but the defense moves over to him. Kulesh, then that's the first bluff that Dushbayev plays it to Kulesh mm. for the nine meter shot. And then it's either nine meters or um, the pass. So, do you think that is something that Talon Dushbayev drew up and told him to do? Or was no. it just pure vibes? No. Pure vibe. Well, you, I, mean, do, I mean, do you really think that. No, let's, let's forget what Talon said. Do you really think that if Alex Dushbayev is on the court in the last 15 seconds, that he would allow that somebody else. I, I think it, it was just pure luck in this case for Kjeldsen mm -hmm. that the ball landed there where it landed. It's a fact, and I give you right for that, that Ali Zayn was way off the middle. So it was a clear two against two mm -hmm. with a lot of space left yeah. and right. That, that was a fact, but I think it was pure luck for, for Kjeldsen that, that it happened like that. I cannot imagine that Alex Ushabai will say, okay, I will fake something and then Vlad and, and Karale should solve this. Yeah, that's going into conspiracy theory. I don't know. I think oh. there was such a level of preparation um, from, Talashim, from Talent Dushabayev and Kielsa today that um, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a go-to move for the final seconds. And variations on it. Of course, if you get the opportunity, it was Dushabayev to shoot. If you get the opportunity, it's Kulesh to shoot. But also Karlek being there as an option. So I wouldn't be surprised that this was drilled by this team to take advantage, advantage of in a situation like well, that. As the, so I'm giving talent and no, the team no, a lot of credit. Yeah, here. I mean, and and yeah. uh, to, to kind of back that up to an extent, uh, in the final minutes of normal time and an extra time, Kjeldsa didn't play, didn't play with the backcourt really at all. It was all about, you know, either playing to the line or like small moves or one against one. Like we're going to find the, we're going to find the space where we're going to earn a penalty or we're going to find the space where we can play it into the line. It's not, we're going to score amazing goals. It's just like, we're going to go for the, the high percentage opportunities. Mm -hmm. They really went like we, if we have to win this dirty, we're going to win this dirty. And they did that in attack. Mm -hmm. And, 
So I wouldn't be surprised if they were focused on playing the ball into the line in the end. But I don't think that in their wildest dreams they could have imagined it to open up <laughs> so wide uh, and to be given such, such a gloriously free opportunity, uh, which was put away very nicely as well. I think the, the finish there, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the line player. There's a lot of pressure. There. It's, it's not always what an I, easy shot. What I liked is he didn't lean anywhere. He didn't fall. He stood like it was, mm. he just stood. He was like, I'm taller than you, Gonzalo, and I'm going to put this ball over you. Yeah. He did that Even well. And uh, another um, maybe matchup that was really important was DKMM versus Tomasz Kapala. Tell us about that. We have a friend. They're hanging around together. In Bosnia, we say he DKMM sent him to to buy chevape. So it's, it, there's a phrase. So it's, I mean, there there is a, some there's some yeah, kind of phrase. Send for him, for send sure, him to buy in, some milk. yeah, in send yeah, him, yeah, yeah, send him to to have a hot dog, and all, always on the strong side, which is weird. That I I cannot imagine that nobody told Kebala like stop him on the strong side and leave the weak. Mem tried on the weak one a couple of times, yeah. but that was I I think that was just a fake. Mm. Let me test him one or two times, and then we will we will go back, and I will have him on. For me, it was Barca played without line players in attack today. Yeah. Cabrera scored one where he was with three quarters of his body in the in the six <laughs> meter lines, as we saw. They were not, not they were not yeah. even trying. The yeah. only assignment that the both line players of, of Barca had today just to get out of the way, yeah. and it was either Dikamem, Makuts, Blajians, or some kind of double crosses, some kind of let's just open the space. In, in the overtime, there was one thing that they did really good, crossing like uh, empty switch, DKMM comes over the middle, plays to Ingasan, and then again the line player goes totally wide. That kind of confused Kjeltse, but Barca played, I think, what, 70 minutes, one-on-one, -on -one Magdeburg style, more or less, and yeah. DKMM destroyed Gebala. But not only that, I was really surprised to see that they did not isolate, it, for example, Daniel Dushabayev. They left him, and they were like, okay, either Karalek or Gebala, and let's go in the middle. Because I would not choose Arsen Karalek. Okay, Gebala maybe yeah. on a broad space, but if, if you line me, these three defensive players, I will always say I go to Dani Dushobak. Yeah. Especially after you see how many minutes he spent on the court. Because he he's not the fittest one, especially after the injury. And they were so smart with how they, because particularly in the first half yesterday in the semifinal, they targeted Pavel Horak very well. They really gave him a terrible time. And again, targeting players very well, but it, it was a slow burner. Today against Genbala, it was not, it was not straight away, but as it, as it came into the key points, then DKMM, and then no, I liked this one at one point. The, the, his shooting stats were until basically the 26th minute, yeah. oh sorry, 56th minute, uh, DKMM had scored three Three from six? No, like two no. from seven. Okay, oh, Jesus. In the last three minutes an extra time, he went three from three. Yeah. And each time he just and, and broke. He, yeah. he got a penalty as well. He, he got a penalty yeah, yeah. in that as well. Yeah, but and, uh, and one time Richardson came through, they, they mixed it up. It's like, okay, this time, Melvin, you're going to do the exact same thing. And that worked as well. But also, where did Melvin Richardson come from? Yeah. What, what the hell from was the that? From the fridge. He knows, <laughs> he knows, he knows. Melvin Richardson. He was cooling <laughs> down. He was just cooling in the, in the fridge for that whole Saturday yeah. where uh, yeah, he, he didn't has, play. When he, when he gets a good jump shot off, it's one of the most beautiful jump shots around. Because yeah. it just goes yeah, from true. zero to here. True. And then the, the shooting technique is really nice. 
and yeah, I thought we wouldn't see it this weekend. But let's not, I mean, I must say it, so let's not give all of the credits to Dika Mem, because without Dika Mem's stupidity, dare I said it, in the last attack, oh. overtime would not happen. Yeah. Why the f do you take that shot? 35 seconds, man up, 20 seconds you have not even passive play, you take a shot over one, at least one player, a bad one, one like half a meter and next to the goal. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. They had like 20 seconds. That was the, so that that's was the two minutes that uh, yeah. Dickman called. And he, I mean, he just saw like, that's, you know, he, you're, you're in the yeah. middle. He saw winning Name. goal, winning yeah. goal. Dickman, <laughs> champion. Champion, defending champion. MVP. New contract. <laughs> New contract. He All deserves time, everything. Yeah. Juan Laporta <laughs> lifts him on his shoulder, carries him into the dressing room. But uh, that didn't quite happen. No. But they still won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they still <laughs> won. And there were so many times in that second half and in extra time where, you know, things changed so quickly. That's what I really liked about the games where there was like 60 second, 90 second periods of the game where everything just like flipped on its head. And that made for a great, like a really great final. It wasn't a case of like one team really, you know, looking like they were the team that had to be overturned. That they swapped those roles over and over again. And that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. But Kielsa really had their chances. I think towards like midway through the second half, they could have really taken control, not like by winning, by leading by four or five, but leading by two. Yeah. If they'd taken a two goal lead, then they could have been able to be maybe a bit smarter about it. But they just, you know. There, there was a crucial moment. Us. There was a crucial moment at, uh, I'll tell you the exact time because okay, I wrote it down. down. Uh, no, oh, sorry, that was, that was the time when Mem destroyed Gabalo that I wrote down. But just before that, Karlik had a really stupid yeah. turnover in the yeah, middle. Yeah. Mm. Virali Zain scored the, the, after the mistake. Yeah, and yeah, after yeah. the mistake, it was basically uh, Barca had increased the speed a little bit. Um, and Kielsa tried to counter that with speed. A ball went into the, into the center for Karlik to catch. And... He, he jumped. Panicked. He, he jumped, jumped passed yeah. it, turnover, Ali Zayn goal, Barca in the lead, Kielsa chasing. Yeah. And that just completely yeah. flipped a lot, those last couple of minutes. Um, we still got to extra time. For me, extra time was a bit strange because it just felt inevitable that it's going to go to penalties. Yeah, even though it's so quick and there was, it's almost like, you know, in football, how they just, both teams almost agree. It's like, okay, let's just go to penalties here. Um, it wasn't quite like that, but both teams had chances again to control the the extra time. It was what two one in the first period. Yep. Yeah, Barca. And and then Kiel took the lead. Yeah, uh, took, took the lead in the the second period. Two goals in quick succession, and then you're like, okay, now you just need to manage it. Like you've you've come back again, you have the lead again, and they just couldn't. I mean, and you have to give a lot of credit to both defenses and also both keepers in extra time as well. Actually, both keepers uh, overall in that game, uh, both had just very solid performances. You know, we're not talking outstanding, but both had something like 13, 14 saves yeah. above 30%. You know, that's, that's what you need in a final. Um, so it, that when, the, when no the defenses are playing the way they are, exactly. that's, you're not you're not going to be expected to get forty percent because there are fewer like fewer shots like that coming through. Yeah, yeah. 
Poor Andy Wolf in the in the penalty shootout. He, he touched the ball twice. <laughs> touched the ball twice. Oh, that that yeah, DKM yeah. one especially. That yeah, was yeah. that was criminal. Like that yeah. was like that snuck in. Like no, that was just a funny moment. Uh, I, I was sitting beside Kevin, and Kevin uh, is a really he's a good friend with Andy Wolf. So he was really cheering for Andy Wolf in that penalty shootout. And all weekend, Kevin has been shouting. Oh, it's it's a disgrace that players, if there anything happens, they're just calling for VAR. They're calling for VAR. Like, they're just always calling for it. Yeah. Then that Andy Wolf almost save happened. And he was like, yeah. did it cross the line? They should go to VAR. They should go to VAR. <laughs> well, I, I know, it's just funny because I, I thought initially, but then as he's walking back up, he, I think it, what he was, he was meaning is that no, it crossed the line. It went past the... That's what I that's that's what I took. I thought initially it was VAR, but then he just walked up and he didn't protest at all. No, no, no. It was, it was actually a clear goal. So from the angle I was sitting, yeah, you, you could just see it was a clear goal. It didn't need to go to but VAR. But was he actually saying VAR? Or was he saying no across the? No, he showed like this. He did. He did like yeah. this for sure. He did like yeah. I don't know, yeah. But he didn't. I, I, was, I was talking about he Kevin. Twice, he was right protest, beside you. Yeah. Put his head down and kept yeah. walking. Yeah. Yeah. No, everyone else was just like. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that was really unfortunate, but sickening, doesn't it? Alex Dushbaev, Mr. Clutch. I mean, there was some. Would even be here without him? Probably not. No, 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 never. So like, never. It's, never. it's oh, so horribly poetic that he misses it. There was yeah. something like, I'm not. I don't want. You know, you always say, "Oh, I knew it was going to be safe." I didn't know, but there was this weird feeling. It's yeah. like this isn't going in. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, and I was already thinking. I was like, no. they've swapped bodies. I was like, no, <laughs> Alex. It can't be Alex who's going to miss. But there's something about it. And uh, you know, yeah, but how bad was the penalty? How bad yeah, did perfect, he? How bad did he? Yeah, but but, but I, to, I told you that uh, Lauga and Nicholas Landin uh, exchanged a glance, and then the goalkeeper has the advantage. Uh, in this case, Paris de Vargas and Alex Dushbaev didn't even look at each other, or more, Alex Dushbaev didn't have, and I'm not going to say he didn't have the bravery, but in that moment, he chose to look down and focus didn't even look at Paris de Vargas mm -hmm. and I think that is Paris de Vargas advantage and again the same situation happens they've done it so many times in training for Spain I'd say they've had that same yeah. shootout penalties are one thing where you don't want to know the goalkeeper yeah. you know you don't want the goalkeeper to know you exactly because then I mean there's only so many penalties you take and we all have taken penalties we all know yeah, like in training so and in games we all know what we like to do and there's like two or three variations of that. And so maybe that's something for everyone to bear in mind in the future. No national teammates, take, <laughs> yeah, or no taking. club teammates in international taking the penalties, no matter or, how good you are. Or yeah. just let Richardson. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but but not, not <laughs> only that, after that first two, because I, 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 was, I was there with, uh, with Rado, the colleague behind the camera, and I was like, okay, the first one he touched a bit. The second one, he almost saved. And well, now Richardson is coming. So, hmm. What will happen? And then Richardson wins. <laughs> like there's never been a shot that's been more in the corner than that. Yeah, that yeah, was, was amazing. And and he like curved a... it in. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it came down to a line player. Ludwig yeah, what's with, these, uh, what's with these line players taking? The biggest cojones <laughs> are always at the line players. That's the that's the rule. There's more more cojones first. Ali Zayn taking a penalty. I would really love to know whether he was asked or he put up his hand because this is a guy who barely throws the ball these days. He's like he's clearly a very good backcourt player. He shows for Egypt all the time, but didn't get a chance. Mm. Score he did score a goal in the break, but 
Yeah. Did he put up his hand, I wonder? Or did someone say you? Yeah, that's a good... So from my conversation, because I had a watch along of the 2016 final with Yulin Aguinagalde, uh, and he shared something really interesting. He said that um, the, the players that were taking the penalties in their position was decided by talent and... Uh, the coaching staff two weeks before the final. Mm-hmm. They had already picked that. Didn't tell the players at all. Right before the penalty shootout, Talent came up to him and said, you're taking the fifth penalty. That's it. So uh, That's what it sounded like to me. I was right beside him when he was, he was I mean, my Spanish isn't that good. But it sounded <laughs> like he was saying, this, 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 that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. There was no real people so putting their told, hands on him. Okay, yeah. there you go. So, so he was just d- decided nice. a long time ago, and it, you don't tell them because then they start getting nervous yeah, straight away because, because they know. Then, yeah. And in the uh, comments there, Nina's saying that he, I, Ali Zayn, missed the penalty against Landy in Egypt in that, that ridiculous <laughs> quarterfinal at the yeah. World Championship. And yeah, so, but he put that one away. He did. He did. And then, yeah, it was all about... Give me some pizza. <laughs> and in this most clutch yeah, performance and moment journey yeah, that, then he goes back giving... in and comes out with two beers <laughs> so, which so MVP Alisen MVP MVP can we agree on that Alisen sorry MVP MVP for yeah, sure MVP yeah. of the locker room anyway and, and, and <laughs> still a better performance than Artem Karalek <laughs> ah, here we go All right. <laughs> moving on to the <laughs> you know, go on uh, we have a few minutes left so the MVP let, let loose oh, let loose show. just do it I, I mean, it was the first time ever that I've worked at one of these events and nobody wrote to me the MVP before. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder, I don't know, it was a surprise for me. I, I said in the it's commentary, I was like, uh, I don't know who it is, but I have a few people in mind. He was not one of those in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. How? Why? Why? Who, who I mean, would you give it to then? So Alex Gomes. Yeah, yeah but, you get, but he's top scorer though, and you never have that. You never have MVP and top score. Yeah, but give it. No, but they don't. That's never. Yeah, but you just do it. No, let's let's be real though. You can't you can't give it to him. Who's the next? Who's his next choice? For just for just for this weekend. Perez de Vargas did have two very good games, but not. He, yeah, he could have been the first person. Give it to Danny Dushbayev just for a bit of a curveball. <laughs> I, I, I thought he's my Danny Dushbayev yeah. is my. You, know, you weren't there. No, no I was. I, no. I said he's my hero of the weekend. Like, hero of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite MVP though of the weekend. Well, uh, we we never give a hero without MVP. a kid. Yeah, hero, yeah. hero. That's the alternative award. Yeah. yeah. Who's your hero of the weekend? Well, let's do that. Will we be living up positive now? Who's yeah. your hero of the weekend, Alex? My hero of the weekend is. Um, I think just Branko Vujovic, uh, um, just because he did, like he wasn't supposed to do anything this weekend. He's leaving the club straight after this game. Basically, he has no contract, uh, and he comes in and scores four goals in the final. So heroic, heroic stuff. You Nacho? Handball wise or yeah, handball, I mean handball wise. Yeah, uh, that I will. I need, I need to. I need to say that the the heroes of. of for me, of this weekend, are my colleagues for, produ- for, for producing. Yeah, I mean, for what 50, 54, 55 hours—that's that's for sure. Oh yeah. 
We've got three minutes left <laughs> on uh, our 54. Yeah, I mean, I was, it's, it's boring, but I, I need to say Alex Gomez. I mean, what a performance. What, what safety, like a goals. safety so net. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So Alex Gomez, for sure. He's averaging 9.7 goals in Champions League finals in the three finals he's played in. Yeah, and not, let's not forget, I mean, he made Ortega find a new position for Blas Jans. Yeah. I mean, Blas Jans can play. Bla- yeah, Blas Jans <laughs> can play everything. Yeah. It, and for me, he's like the right winger from right winger's perspective. The guy that can, he can play everything. He can play at the second position, the defense, like a Swiss fire, Army everything. But in, if you, if you, if somebody asked you three years ago, you have Blas Jans and Alex Gomez, who will start? Yeah. Who will play more? Like hands on. And you saw also with Berto Servas, also today in the talk, uh, they were like, ah. Yeah, you know, Cindric, uh, he, you're missing Cindric and in, in Kelce, and he said, yeah, we're missing Cindric, but you know, Blas Jans, we are also missing Blas Jans. The guy does not stop speaking about him, yeah. so he knows how good of a player Blas Jans is, and Aleix Gomez made him, what, a backup yeah. centre-back, yeah. backup right-back, <laughs> and right-winger maybe, you know. Blas so, yeah. is one of the best players in 2019, the Final yeah. Four here uh, yeah. for Kelce. Um, just one more. So anyway, Brian, what's your MVP? Oh, good question. Hold <laughs> 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 on. I'm just going to, on the wings before you go there, you give yours first, go on. So handball-wise, I'm going to give it to Daniel Dushabayev. Yeah. Just because he surprised me so much. Just yeah. for the pure, no one expected anything from him. He could have come here and scored one goal and been like... 0-4 uh, today and uh, like oh it's Danny Dushibayev like you know <laughs> but uh, he was great you know um, a central figure from one central figure to a non-handball central figure there's a woman behind the scenes Clara who due to un- unforeseen circumstances couldn't be here for as much as she wanted to be here put a lot of work in in the build up to this so thank you Clara I think we'll all give her thank a round of applause And I think we have to say Brian it. Brian has more you. to say. Oh, you've got more to say? Uh, I've, yes, I have a video I want to show you. Oh, yes. But oh. maybe I think we... Should we, we still have time? We finish with that video. We could, memories. yeah. We could, yeah, and we could, we could talk over it. do you want to do a commentary? Oh, we okay. can talk over it. It's, it's, I mean, when I, when I showed you the video the other day, and I said, this is a quick edit, these were the last five videos on my camera roll. So this is, like, very, very rough. But, like, okay. just some, from scenes directly from... I ready, so we have to keep talking for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I, then I, I, will, I will go back to the, to the position that I did in the last 44 hours and just uh, try to solve the technical problems, if that's okay. 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 Guys, thank you very much. It thank was you, a, Nacho. It was thank a you. huge honor. I cannot remember when was the last time that I was so nervous before. I, I must, I must say, <laughs> thank you for that. It's a, it's a, it's a really a huge honor. And, and let's let's just give a shout out to some of the people who've been with us for oh a long yeah. time. Oh yeah, Pedro H. Farage has been here yeah. all the time. Puffansiv won the tickets to next year's Champions League. Uh, Mihai has been around. Nina, Nina was an absolute Nina. champion yeah. throughout. Yeah. the creep. Creepy, <laughs> yeah, creepy, <laughs> creepy dreams. Always. Fingers 89. Have to give a, a shout. Zebra with no yeah. plan has Good been point. an absolute hero. Whoever has been here throughout the uh, time, just send in a message if we've for- forgotten you. But uh, I think that's made this uh, a real special experience. The official yeah. number one. Uh, in blue saying hey and me that's the, the <laughs> official one <laughs> the official, yeah. Yeah. Emma and Geski has definitely yeah. been in uh, here Formula uh, One yeah. Anya yeah yeah all of these people <laughs> have been <laughs> have been in here keeping us company it's kick her out actually so no Formula One allowed around here so thank you for that no, we, no, the, we, we said this the old one said yeah, you come on. come on don't be milking us <laughs> you're, you're great 
Zebra, no plan. Yes. Absolutely amazing. And Nina, uh, Nina, don't push it. So we already mentioned <laughs> you. So that, yeah. And all those hardcore fans of, of the Twitch show, you can still follow Grubby, our podcast. Uh, yeah, oh, good idea. Do, do follow the podcast. If at you. Handball Hour, of course. Yeah. And uh, we don't do 50 or 4 hour streams, day. but yeah. we do do a podcast once every... Two of weeks. weeks. If you yeah. need a producer for that, I, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> see, we'll see, see our budget first. And we'll, uh, I think we'll have you on a guest uh, pretty soon again. Oh, it's, God. Uh, you've been wonderful. Definitely. Thank you. Again. Thank you so much. I go behind the, behind the scenes to okay. figure it out. Okay, uh, I'll Brian Lido. So, well, well, we nice. just... Um, give me some more vibes. Because I, I don't think you got to, you got to hear some, some of the vibes that I talked about while commentating. Uh, how about just maybe close vibes. the podcast with like a sentence to okay for the same bite and then we go into pure vibes okay uh, a sentence what just a closing sentence for the podcast. about the weekend about the weekend about the weekend double champions barcelona right you go first it was hot and sweaty full of surprises like of dan dushabaya from the call but in the end i think barcelona's win this weekend is probably more impressive than last season given of where they started this season and where they are now and with a new coach and how they just they found their form probably about two months ago maybe and then have really just they looked like the Barcelona of old a little bit different obviously a different style but I mean quite dominant in certain ways and DKMM really crushing it as well he did he did Alex you have to congratulate Barcelona first time a team has retained the Champions League in the Final Four era in Cologne it does take something absolutely special. And actually, maybe what it takes to retain a title is to change your really successful coach and bring in an, an equally successful coach that has a lot of pressure. Carlos Ortega and John Laporta exchanged an amazing hug. He's here to stay. Barcelona, Kielsa played an unbelievable final. Two very worthy teams. Give a shout out to Berta Servas, who, uh, it's going to be really sad right now, but Barcelona, a very deserving champions. <laughs>